and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's a South Texan poppy poet living that hashtag middle class gay life. It's Chibi. She's a little bit Selena, a little bit JLo, and a whole lot of Pisces. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. <laughs> I love your surprise face every time we start the show. You're like, oh, it's you. <laughs> you know, I just, I stay excited. That's why I, you know, it's always so great to see your face anytime. Um, you know, I know last week I wasn't able to. So this week I'm like, hey, hey, friends. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know what? Speaking of being back. It feels like the world is starting to come back a little bit, little bit. just a little bit, just like Baby tiny steps. steps. Baby yes. Steps. Yes. We're opening back up little by little. <laughs> I love these hand gestures. Like we're opening <laughs> <Ooh>. up. <laughs> we are coming out of, you know, what the panaderia that, that has been the last 18 months. Um, and, mm-hmm. and part of that, that I'm seeing, you know, like I, I live in San Antonio in Texas, ACL, you know, yes. like uh, Austin City yeah. Limits uh, was canceled last year, but they did it this year with yes. like strict, uh, you know, like you had to have your vaccine card or, you know, proof of like a negative COVID test, things like that, um, in order to like bring back this festival that's been going on for 30 something years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it had me thinking, like, what was the last festival I attended? You know, so I'm curious, you know, like, and and festival, like, in broad terms, we're just, like, people from all over are coming together for a, a span of days. So, like, Rocky, what was the last festival you attended? Well, it is so <laughs> left field. Um, my, actually, it was just recently, and my cousin in New Jersey, right, Carteret, New Jersey, brought me and a couple of friends to go see Shaheed. <laughs> like it wasn't me. That is just really random. <laughs> it was a free concert out in some random park in New Jersey. And then Shaggy's was like, you know, like New Jersey Carteret, you know. You know I was like, no, Shaggy, no, it's not. But I appreciate the high energy. And so we're talking about, you know, wasn't me. Wasn't me. Did he go me in the shower? Wasn't me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's Shaggy. You yeah. know what? <laughs> don't call it a comeback. I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> oh. How about you, friend? Like, what was the last time? Yeah, I was really thinking about it. And honestly, it was. 2019 Southern Fried Poetry Festival in Fayetteville. Uh, so, so long ago. Um, and it, it just like, it made me, I was talking to my therapist yesterday and we were talking about how uh, we, uh, my husband and I are going to this festival this week. Mm-hmm. And like, he was like, are you excited for it? Like, how are you feeling about it? I'm like, I am so ready to be around people, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and celebrate this thing that is poetry and just come together with like a community of like-minded people and just like spend a week together, you know? And that's what Southern Fried was. Uh, and uh, at that Southern Fried, our guest today, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, their team just like 
took, just slammed the entire. I'm pretty sure they won. I'm pretty sure it's in the back. I, you know, we do a lot of drinking at poetry festivals, so I may not always remember the details, but I know they were incredible. We were in a bout against them. We were just like, well, I guess this one's yours. Uh, mm -hmm. We put up a good fight. But in any case, uh, outside of being an incredible poet, our guest today is also the organizer of this week's uh, week-long uh, Stonewall International Poetry Slam Festival. And so I can't wait to like bring them on and just talk about life and talk about what's happening this week. So can we just dive into it? Yes, please. Go ahead. Go introduce our poet. Kenneth Something is a poet, playwright, educator, and organizer. However, he is best described as an artivist. Kenneth has been working slash creating in the intersection of art and social justice for over 10 years. He is the founder and former executive director of Do More Baltimore, former executive director of the Pride Center of Maryland, member of the Sons of Baldwin, an LGBTQIA plus spoken word collective, and a professor at the Maryland Institute College of Art. Kenneth is the director of programming for the Black Arts District, which is the organization that is sponsoring this week's festival, and is a two-time National Poetry Slam champion, three-time DC Pride Slam champion, two-time Baltimore Poetry Grand Slam champion, and was ranked third slam poet in the world in 2017. He is the author of two books, Bricks and Dandelions, and Baldwin sent me y'all in the comment section. You know what to do. Show some love for our guest this week. Kenneth something. Welcome to the stream. Oh, this was so fun just watching you all. I didn't even have to join. I could just stay back. <laughs> but but if we must, I'm here. If we uh, must. Yes. So you just reminded me that my bio does not say Southern Fried Champion, but yes, yeah, Southern Fried and Rust Belt as well. I don't know how I left that out of my bio, but by all means, you can feel free to- Multiple times, multiple Yes, times. yes. I definitely do remember you. I think, Kenneth, I think we even like played a a, a game of tic-tac-toe. Uh, that was you? Yes! I remember so perfectly. I remember <laughs> sitting at the table. I remember it. I remember mm -hmm. it. Ah. Now that we kept tying like over and over again? Yes. yes. I remember, I remember, I remember. I'm mad when I always see the face. And I cannot necessarily put it in context. And so I just be like, you look familiar. And you know, you know how that goes. But yeah. just now, I remember that so vividly. And I'm so mad that you remembered it before I did. No, it's okay. I got a different haircut. You know, it's New York has been like changing me and my style. I definitely I'm like a whole different person. Uh, I so. remember the things you do at Poetry Slams, right? Mm. Take that so yeah. I, I, one of my favorite things about this show is, you know, cause like Rocky's been in the game, but she's kind of like been like here and then she was like, mm -hmm. and then she came back. So one of my favorite things is always like when poets are like, oh shit, I do know you. <laughs> <laughs> cause she always been here. Yes. Or they like, they come in, they're just like, who is this person? Are they, can she talk about poetry? I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> Oh man, but I'm so excited to have you on. Um, you know, I have really great and fond memories of like your team. Um, as should be said, that you were just basically just like beast mode, just winning, winning, and winning. Um, and even on tic tac toes, right? And <laughs> <laughs> My match or tic tac toes. <laughs> like at least it wasn't a game of spades because I feel like if you no, you all had played no. spades against each other, mm -hmm. we wouldn't be here. Like we wouldn't be friends. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Maybe. 
So we always, you know, we start this segment by we know that we're going to be talking about a lot of intimate things and getting to know you. So we see you as a friend here. So I always ask my friends, and I'm going to ask you, how's your heart today, friend? How's your heart today, this week, this month, this year, during this pandemic? Pick one. <laughs> but just how's my, your heart? My heart is, I have to just speak in the present, is overly stimulated. Mm. Um, and... That is a combination of anxiety and excitement and love mm. and um, curiosity. It is just, and none of it is bad or good. It's just, and I don't, I, I want to say, I say overly stimulated versus overwhelming because overwhelming has like a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. But like over, overly stimulated feels the same, but it's not negative. It's just mm -hmm. like there's so much. And I'm trying to process it all at once. And that's what, that's that's where I am right now. Mm. Mm. I, I love that. And especially just because, you know, we're at the we're at the start of this festival that I can't wait to like talk like more about. Uh, but there's something about, you know, like being in this space, right? That is just electrifying, right? You feel it in the air and it's like it definitely touches your heart. Uh and and I can't wait to get into uh, talking about all the work that you've done uh, to to bring this festival to light, uh, and all the all the work that you've done in your life, we're we're gonna deep dive, okay? Um, but before we get there, what we like to do is just give the audience just a little taste of who Kenneth something is, you know. And so we play a game called speed dating. Okay. Uh, we're gonna ask you a series of questions. Uh, feel free to answer as concisely or as in-depthly as you feel is necessary to justify your answer or don't justify your answer. It's it's entirely your call. Um, so first question, because of your illustrious slam career, I want to know what is your favorite poetry slam memory? My favorite poetry slam memory. That uh, isn't playing tic-tac-toe with Rocky because obviously that's <laughs> Um. Huh. So this is, this is, it's okay. You said I can, I, I can take it how I want to take it. Okay. So for those who do not know, like who do not know, I have horrible anxiety, right? So slam is really a lot for me. Like I have to go through rituals upon rituals before I can touch the stage, right? To, in order to kind of calm my nerves just enough to be functional on the stage, right? Um, and so my very first nationals, which was 2015, um, my team and I were rehearsing and we were getting ready and they decided to prepare for semis and they had decided I was going to do this, this do this indie, right? And it was an indie that was very vulnerable, very personal, very, I'm not quite sure I'm ready for this. And so during the rehearsal, during practice, a few hours before the, the slam, I just had a nervous breakdown, like a, a mini panic attack. And my team was just, I mean, not, not to put my team on the bus, but my team, they're about business, okay? They didn't have time for my panic attack. We didn't have, we're, we're here for business. Get it together and, and get ready to do what you came here to do, right? So I was like, and I wasn't here for none of that shit, okay? Fuck that. Can I say fuck on here? Can yes. yes. <laughs> All words and shit. You can say whatever you want. So I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm emotionally everywhere right now. So I ran to a different team who I never saw at all in a festival as far as I was concerned. At the first time, they were sitting over just minding their business. I came up to them. I said, excuse me, my team is not being emotionally supportive to me right now. Can you all be emotionally supportive to me right now? 
Um, and that particular team didn't make it to semis. And so it was one particular person on the team. It was like, well, what's going on? I said, I am a nervous rat right now. Right. Da, 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 da. So they were just so calming and loving to me. And so it was like, you know what? We're going to come to that, to that semis and we're going to support you. And we're going to cheer for you. And we're going to do all the things. And so we went to the semis and we got our ass kicked in that semis. And so I didn't feel my best. And then when I got off stage with it, the team was ready with all these drinks for me. It was like, no, we're here to celebrate you. And I was like, no, finish up. My, my team loves me. My team is there for me. But this other team that I was just like, I don't know, like just just was there. And just was and this one particular woman was just loving on me so, so kindly. And it just felt so good. And this and the reason why that's my that's that by itself could make my favorite memory. But to add to it, several years later, I'm performing, no, touring, doing the things that poets do. I'm, I find myself in Orlando and I go to a restaurant and that woman is the owner of that restaurant. And she's like, it's you. And I'm like, what? It's you. And, and she was as kind to me on that day as the very first day. And so forever, that will probably be my favorite slam um, experience. Wow. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. I don't think I've ever heard a story like that, but that's amazing, you know? Um, oh, wow. Sometimes the poetry community is just so wonderful. I'm like, I'm done. That that was the whole show. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Good night. <laughs> so good. I love it. It was so beautiful. It was such a Oh, I love it. I think that was like, I actually really love that, that answer. And I'm like, all right, well, here goes my second one. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> it's just a great memory too. Um, so my, my question is if you could, what song would be the theme song for your life and why? Oh, okay. This connects back to the slam world. Um, and I told you I have rituals, right? Cause of mm -hmm. things I already mentioned. And so, um, all right, and this is really bad. Uh, so much been disclosed so soon. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready. Yeah, I, we need to rename so, this section. This is not speed dating. This, no, is, this, this, is, this is not this seventh is, date. I would not get a second date if this was speed dating. Um, this is really this be it. People like mm, that person. It's like what the anxiety attacks and whatever is happening. You, how many drinks did you have after you did horrible on the slam? Like what happened? All right. Um, but, uh, I'm horrible with music. I'm probably the only human that don't really listen to music, right? I'm okay. right. It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> um, and so I only get music experiences when I'm around other people listening to music. Okay. Um, and I always appreciate it. It's just that when those people go away with whatever music they were playing, I just never hear music again. So people come back with music. Wow. Um, and so there was this one song, and it's like, I, like I rise, but I think her name was, her name was like Andre, Andre, Andre Day. Andre Day. Yeah. And I rise up. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. So someone played that song. Right. This is so bad. No one knows this is my secret that I have no clue. <laughs> Um, I, I, I pretend that I do around other people, but here we are. Here we are. We are our is exposing me. Um, and so that particular song is now a song that I listen to um, before any competition. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know much about 
music, but that's what that would be the song I would say um, would kind of be the theme song for for who I am and my life. Oh wow, it's a good song, great song is, to choose from. It is such a good song. The first <laughs> time I heard that song, I cried like a baby. Oh, I was like, no. I do, right? <laughs> oh. oh. Such a good song. Uh, she's phenomenal. She uh, she should have won something for her. Uh, mm -hmm. She was recently in a, in a, in a Amazon Prime movie uh, about Billie Holiday. I think that's correct. One of those singers. Anywho, sorry, tangent. Um, next question. <laughs> all our guests. What is your favorite food dish to eat? Who have those? Um, I'm going to go with some type of seafood pasta. Um, that is my answer. Some type of pasta that has seafood in it. Um, I'm such a person that loves all food mm -hmm. equally. Right, I do not create hierarchies for food, but I just wanted to have an answer. I have yet to meet the food I don't like. Okay. Um, so yes, you put food in front of me um, and it's prepared the way it is supposed to be prepared. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to enjoy it and love it. Mm. But then now I wanna know, I know that you're like all food are equal, but do you like more spicy pasta with seafood or do you like like Italian, you know, style? Yeah. So both of those sound great, but <laughs> um, I can't deal with non-American spice. Okay. I can deal with American spicy. Okay. Right, uh, American spicy is pretty mild spicy, right? Okay. So American spicy is great. I cannot deal when people like no or other spice other other communities other cultures when they say spice they mean it differently. Yeah, <laughs> it has a different meaning, <laughs> and I'm not there yet. I have to continue so, to work on training my my palate to be able. So to when so when I make my mole for you, I should not throw ancho chilies in it. <laughs> mm, if they don't grow in Texas, nope. <laughs> And I'm like, well, I'm like to be like, well, it grows in the backyard, my backyard. Oh, no, I know, right? <laughs> you can't find them at your at your local supermarket. That um, well, that that's the thing. Our local supermarket does have it, but probably your local supermarket no, you does not. I'm in the hood. I'm in the hood. We don't have chilies. Um, and where I am, we don't we don't have we don't have vegetables. So. <laughs> Just none, no vegetables. No. Yeah. Nothing that grows. Nothing okay. supermarket. All right, so we're gonna do our last question. Okay. And I know usually like we go really in depth, but I'm gonna do an easy one. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, what is your current obsession? <sighs> My current obsession would be what? What? I feel like. It got derailed with sips. But pro so I'm thinking pre-organizing sips because sips clearly is my Karen. <laughs> but um, prior to sips, it would be 
Um, oh, um, I am currently reshaping my body in a little interesting way. So I'm really um, obsessed with that. So in the past six months, I lost 65 pounds mm. and I am you know, into the gym now and doing those kind of things. So like, I'm really interested in just um, sculpting my body differently. And I'm really obsessed with like, you know, what that, what that looks like and what that means and how that feel and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really into that. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Well, I feel like all these answers will definitely get you a second date. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, oh, props to you and, and your journey yes. to achieving your personal body goals. Um, mm -hmm. I'm personally growing a dad bod as we speak. It's just <laughs> continuing to develop and I'm just embracing it. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, again, and for me, it wasn't, no, it wasn't, I never not embraced my body. That, that's not my story, but but um, I got on the scale. The scale said some really mean things to me. <laughs> and then I decided, well, I'm curious, right? So it was really driven by curiosity. And I was like, hmm, maybe I could lose 20 pounds or 10 pounds, whatever. And then I was like, ha, huh. and then ha. Huh. And so like now it's just driven by curiosity. I'm really curious what the, what the outcomes would be from this work and doing this and whatever. So it's just really about exploring something different with my body um not ever driven out of unhappiness at all i love it and ain't that the nature of a poet to be curious right um so with that being said this was just a taste of who can something is uh it, it was it was a pretty big taste uh, <laughs> and music is great everybody <laughs> Kenneth does not hate music. <laughs> I do not. Whenever I experience it, I enjoy it. It's rare uh, that I come across music that I don't enjoy. Yeah. It's also rare that I come across music. But but the point is that <laughs> I enjoy all, it. All music is wonderful. All food is wonderful. Food, you food, know. Is, way, food is way more wonderful, though, if I have to put the shoes okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, uh, before we we go even deeper into the world of Kenneth, uh, I think this would be perfect if you could transition us into it by uh, sharing a poem. And for everybody that's watching currently at home in Facebook land or YouTube bill, uh, use the comment section, y'all. Use the comment section. Show some love. You know, uh, interact. Do 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 what you got to do. You part of this conversation. All right. Uh, but all that being said, Kenneth, please. Okay. So question. Is this the, I'm only doing one poem on this segment? No, you're only doing one right now. We'll ask for more later. So it will be more later. Because I don't want to maybe start with this one. I might want to save this one for later. If, okay. if we're not, I don't know. This one on my heart. I'm just going to do it on my heart. So we, we're, we're going to start at the end and work our way to wherever we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, this is my favorite poem right now, everybody. This is my favorite poem. This is my favorite poem. I just, I love this poem. <clears throat> I will not die ever. This is not a metaphor. Have you ever wondered what happens when you die? The way the grass forgets a body is there. The way the world forgets it was once somewhere else I've watched. So many black bodies get put in a box and I know that America is waiting to watch me rot in a plot too, but I decided not to, like, who the fuck said I got to? Your gun, your God, your government, fuck a funeral. 
No matter how greedy the grave, I will not get in. I will smack any obituary that can't keep my name out of its mouth. I won't let anyone make a memory out of me. My older brother was stabbed to death. My younger brother was shot dead in the chest. So I know it's only a matter of time for death's hands reach me next. But I promise this ain't a dance the devil wants to do. These bones won't bend or break. I will beat the grim reaper the fuck up if I must. If that's what it takes to survive, to stay alive, let's face it. Dying is just basic. Every black body does it. And I am too fabulous to be all dead and shit. I got other things to do. So I refuse to lose to death. This country took so much from me, but it won't get my breath shit. It's the only thing I got left. It's not much I even like about my flesh, but it's mine. So ain't nobody feeding this faggots, no maggots. I will be here until the earth forgets how to orbit when I say I will not die. I mean, this body will not be broken open by a bullet. These lungs will not be swallowed by ocean. When I say I will not die. I mean, you will find me attempting to twerk on the moon long after this corrupt country crumbles. When I say I will not die. I mean, resiliency is a religion and I am God here. So what is the point of mourning when you be the morning? Be the moonlight, the Milky Way, the meteorite, which is to say, what good is a gun against a galaxy? My molecules are made up of music and magic and melanin and miracles and matter, which simply means I matter. So no matter how many diseases or devils you send for me, I will be here forever like goodness, like glory, like God, like God, like God. I don't think wow. I was ready for that. <laughs> no, I wasn't either. I was just like, wow, I was if that was the end. I don't know how you were gonna begin us initially, <laughs> but I'm excited to see this like trajectory of where you're gonna take us. Well, no, that's see, that's what's like shy in with that. That that's my that's 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 the that's the world I'm in right now. That poem mm-hmm. really captures my my vibe right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's my vibe. That's my mood. That's how I feel. It's like well, it's my own personal. It's like I don't know if you write poems for yourself. People say they do all the time, but I think that when I became a poet, I absolutely was always. I was such a like a social justice oriented poet. Yeah. I was always writing for everyone else. I'm writing to make mm-hmm. the world better. Writing to mm-hmm. think of challenge systems. Writing to critique narratives. Right. Writing to whatever. And I think this particular poem was legit me writing to me. Mm. Um, I just love it. So I just like, it just, it just, it's a poem that inspires me when I perform it. Like I inspire myself um, consistently with this poem. So I do it often, by often, it's still new. So it's only been like two months old, but, mm-hmm. but yes, for the past two months, I just been saying this poem to myself. Oh, I love it though. I do. It's just like, it is empowering just to hear from you, to hear from, you know, um, in this, I guess because right now it's like LGBTQ history month, right? And there's so many layers to what it means to be queer, to means to be a a person of color who's also queer and all these different intersecting identities of how our just society wants to kill us or just wants to have us not be named or um, 
or just kind of do like violence on our bodies and our soul, right? And it's the fact that we're like, no, we have our history. We are who we are and we are powerful and you can't you can't kill us and I won't want to be killed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so important. I think, you know, thank you. And I, I hope that like, that's probably the energy that you're delving into for sips as well. We'll talk about sips later, like, you know, later on, but that's what I can imagine. Like sips is going to be amazing if that's the type of mood you're coming in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and the poem has me thinking about this, this idea of like legacy, right. Mm-hmm. And how, how, how we live on, you know, uh, post physical life, you know, um, I think, James Baldwin is just in my head because yeah, yes. it was in in your in your bio. But you know, an, an example of how like someone continues to, like you said, I will not die. You know, like James Baldwin, even though has passed, continues to live on because of the work that he produced and the impact that that work has. And so, you know, like, what do you <laughs> loaded question? We're going deep. What do you feel your legacy will be, Kenneth? Um. So this 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 is a thing that tw- the Kenneth in my twenties was obsessed with, mm-hmm. right? I was obsessed with the idea of legacy, right? So I have a daughter, and so like, um, it's in some ways my daughter, right, would be my legacy, right? Mm-hmm. But I, um, but then I also created multiple institutions throughout, you know, throughout the the world, and so and with the idea that the um, these institutions will outlive me and 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 continue to be, you know be part of my legacy. Um, I've written you know multiple books and published poems. And the idea that my art would you know be my legacy, and, and now I'm not I'm not worried about legacy anymore. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't need legacy. Um, those those things may all still quote unquote be legacy, but um, I'm okay with just living in the moment. And um and when I'm here, I'm here. When I'm not, I'm not. So I mean I don't necessarily need to stay the more poems that I'm gonna be forever, but like but the point but the point is I'm not obsessed with um needing to be remembered or to be known or mm. to be seen or like I, I'm I'm not I'm not there anymore. Like uh, no, y'all got other people to know and see. Y'all good, y'all be fine. <laughs> um it's just about living in the living in the right now. My legacy is 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 about today. It's like, what did I do today, and how meaningful and impactful was that? And that's it. So, it's, so my legacy is captured at 24 hours. It's like every 24 hours, it's like, what can I, what legacy can I leave for the next 24 hours? Mm. That's amazing. I don't think anyone's ever talked about legacy just within a, such a like 24 hours. But yeah, that's what you're doing. The work that you do today is going to matter, you know, in the future. But I think people are just always looking for like the future and, and above them, um, but not just for today, right? And today is, I don't want to be all corny. I feel like it's such a cliche. Today is like the present is a present, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very Buddhist mentality. Yeah. Very, yeah. very Buddhist, very Zen, very no day but today kind of. No, to, now, and and just just because really you said that, I did practice Zen for 12 years. See? Oh. <laughs> There we go. It does make sense that that would be influencing my answer, but yeah. Yeah. So talking about, I know your, just your work in general, I kind of want to talk about your artivism, right? Like what drove you in the direction of using art for social justice work? Um, And how, like, what do you see? I know that we're talking about for today and your 24 hours of legacy or were you in the future? So the first one, so... Prior to 
taking the title as poet. Mm -hmm. um, I was an organizer and activist um, that really worked to like address issues and um, marginalized communities around around the country, really. Um, and so I, did, I worked for a lot of institutions and organizations that did work around social justice, right? And, and radical social justice, which is like really in, in the trenches and really with the people and led by people, and right? So I, like, I, that was really important for me, it was a lot of my work. And one of the things that I, I noticed was how um, the way apathy um, would uh, be a stumbling block for communities stepping up and owning the work, right? They would kind of disconnect from the work. They didn't believe it was possible, right? And I watched, um, this is a story. Um, I went to church, which is great for those people who go to church. I don't typically do that often, but I went this particular time. And I was looking, I was there different from the other people there. Like I was mostly curious about the, the, the drama of, of, of it all, right? Mm. And really curious about like looking at it and dissecting it that way for this particular time I was there. And I watched the the preacher who was in some ways a spoken word artist for as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. um, and I was watching the, the choir and the singers and I was watching the way art inspired people to just want to be better and do better and, and live differently and take action. And they were asking people like, do you want to volunteer for this food drive? People want to do us this. And in the whole congregation, everyone was like, yes, I want to you know, I want to be better and do more. So I watched in this in this space the way art inspired people into action. And I was thinking sometimes people came into this building feeling their lowest, right? And somehow this experience, and I'm not necessarily denying any spiritual uh, you know, implications or any, in any way. I'm just saying I watched the role art play in inspiring people to want to be better and do better and, you know, and help and that kind of stuff. So it made me think differently about my organizing. And so I ended up right then and there quitting my job, right? The next day I quit. And I said, wow. no, whatever I do, I need to use art. Art is going to be the vehicle I use to like do work in community. Um, and um, so that became, so I was created Do More Baltimore, um, an institution that uses art as a tool to create, to increase civic engagement in marginalized communities throughout the greater Baltimore area. Um, and so I immediately did that and it was super successful in imagining the ways in which art can transform the work that um, and the people to do the work, right? And so so that became my my artivism. It was like I watched people um, get inspired in, 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 in ways that um, allowed them to believe enough in themselves to be impactful. Mm -hmm. right. mm. so that's kind of what it's, that's the story behind me deciding, no, I want to, no. And then I didn't really write my first poem until two years after creating Do More. So I wasn't even doing being a poet. I was um, just believing in art. So it wasn't me using art. It was more so about me gathering artists together. Um, and then I decided several years into that, kind of go, go be an artist too. I, I love that. And it's such a brave step too, to just be like, to, to, to have that revelation be like, no, this is the way we do it. Um, you, 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 you said some 
something really interesting, you know, like before you took on the title of poet and then right now you just said like you mm -hmm. started all of that and then didn't write a poem until like two years later. So I'm curious, like, how did you find poetry or how did poetry find you maybe is the better question, you know, uh, that uh, led you to, you know, using poetry and having this illustrious career so far. So I use I said the, I said the phrase the title of poet because I think that people write poetry often and throughout their lives the same way people sing songs throughout their lives it doesn't make them a singer just because you you know you like to sing a, you know, in the shower for instance right so I think that my relationship with poetry has been a relationship where people have with singing their favorite songs or sing you know doing karaoke it's like poetry was present in my life. Um, but I, it wasn't, it wasn't my life. It wasn't my work. Right. Um, so, but, but what made, what introduced me to poetry is an interesting story. I was, uh, from like fourth grade to like eighth grade, I did like these oratory competitions where you memorize a famous speech and you get on stage and da, 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 da. And so every single year from like fourth grade all the way up, I just did, I have a dream speech, right? Because I memorized it. So every year I would compete, I would lose every single year. Um, but I, I enjoy I enjoyed doing I mean I never came place nothing, just lost the last person, last place. Um and so I just consistently kept doing it every year because I enjoy doing it. And then um in my seventh grade year, um the school made a decision that people can do original um speeches and original poems as part of the competition. And this eighth grade girl got on stage and did an original poem and it was unlike anything I ever saw or experienced. I still want to one day find her. I'm, I don't. I don't remember nothing about her. But like, I just, I just want her to. Be, I want to tell the story. I want her to be like, that was me. And then I'm taking her to dinner, like every day for a week. Um, but she did this poem. It was an original poem, which it was a spoken word piece, which I didn't know existed at the time. Um, she did this. She did this poem. It blew me away. It blew the audience away. And then I had to follow her with this. I have a dream speech. Not taking nothing away from. Marius, but but I was just like, I don't want to follow her. I don't want to do this. I want to, what was that? Right. Yeah. Um, and so for the eighth grade year, um, I tell the story because it was the moment I fell in love with poetry in the moment I fell in love with organizing. So for my eighth grade year, I knew that I was gonna write my own poem. Like I, I had to wait a whole year for this moment. So I waited a year and I was gonna write my own poem. I knew I was gonna do that. And then the school decided to not have the competition. <gasps> Stop. I, I Stop. I promise you, my eighth grade, yeah, then I'm graduating, right? So, so there's no more, no more chances. This is it. It doesn't go into next year. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't follow me to high school. So it's like, this is it. This is the, after all these years, and like, and I'm really excited. Like, this is it. And the school just said, yeah, we're not doing it this year. And so I was like, no. You're doing it this year. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I'm doing it this year. <laughs> and so I began to organize. And so I banded a meeting with the principal. And the principal sat down and met with me. And I made my case. And I made an argument. They said, we need to get X amount of people registered. You need to get X amount of teacher support. You, need, you have to figure it out if we're going to do it. And so I did. So I, I rallied up the students to, to do it. I found the staff support to support it. Um, and after like maybe 10 days of doing that work, they decided to, it was happening again. 
So it was the first time I think I had to ever activate myself that way, right? Where I was like, no, like the system said no. The system tried to oppress me. And I was like, no to the system, right? <laughs> and I was like, you're not taking this away from me. Like, what are you doing, right? Um, and so I was really gracious. I'm grateful, excuse me, um, for the leadership to the school to even give me the opportunity to like, to not just say no and dismissing, but saying mm-hmm. we don't have the support to make this happen right now. If you can galvanize the support to make it happen, then by all means, we'll make it happen. Um, we'll you no, know, we'll buy the trophies. We'll put the, you know whatever. We'll, we'll get everything together. Yeah. As far as the budget is concerned, you just got to get the, the support and the people. Um, so I really appreciate this, the the school for allowing that to, that process to happen. And just get to the end of the story because we are curious. I wrote my very first poem, um, and I won the competition. Wow. Um, and so I knew I loved it. So that was the moment I fell in love with poetry. I fell in love with poetry in that moment. Um, but my my art of practice, I'm a visual artist, so my art of practice was visual art. So even though that poetry thing was cool, what I did as an artist as an artist was visual art. And so I didn't really think much about poetry until my adult life. Wow. But the fact that you were writing this poem and waited this like whole year to write this poem, <laughs> the fact that you were organizing in eighth grade, right? Yeah. That is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like beyond years, I think people don't even have that realization or self-awareness that they have the capability. And here you are as an eighth grader, be like, uh, authority, you can't principal. Oh, you, you think I have to do all the work? <laughs> Let me do the work. Let's do it better. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I know that we want to, I know we're going to continue talking, but I think this is a good time just to pause and hear a poem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, another poem. The poem you wrote in eighth grade. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. I would never. Um, okay, so um, hmm, following that, I, I like showing range in my writing. Not necessarily giving everybody the same flavor. Um, it's really important. These are artists. I like. I like having range. So okay, his range. Every rope is a community of fibers brought together to serve a purpose greater than ourselves. So when I was assembled. I wanted to be on a flagpole. I wanted to hold up a symbol of what this country stood for. My greatest fear was being a jump rope. I just thought I would get dizzy from the spinning and spinning and spinning, but I never became a jump rope. I started on a shelf in a little store when two men walked in and purchased me. They threw me in their back seat next to the beer, the shotgun and the sheets. And we drove to the middle of nowhere. I, I heard them say the only good nigger is a dead nigger. When we got there, they started to 
twist my body into a knot, said now my name was Noose. I saw the man they was mad at. He was all black and bleeding and praying. He prayed and prayed so loud, like he was waiting for the sky to just break open for God to intervene. They put me around his neck and tied me to a tree. He kicked and cried and swung. He kicked and cried and swung. He kicked and cried and swung until nothing. There was no God there, just us and nothing. So much nothing, but with, but with the flies as witness, I learned how to pray. Proof that under the right circumstance, even a rope can be religious. It's been nine days and I'm still praying someone will come to cut him free, even if that means cutting me and have, because this ain't what I was supposed to be. I'd rather be dead than live like this. They say God will never give you a cross that you can't carry, but I don't know if anyone knows how heavy of a cross he is. When I was assembled, I wanted to be on a flagpole. I wanted to hold up a symbol of what this country stood for. My greatest fear is that it would look like this. Wow. Mm. That was great. Thank you. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Shaking up, I, I got goosebumps. I'm shaking off the goosebumps <laughs> on that. Uh, incredible and so, such powerful work. Um, you know, outside of outside of the powerful work that you uh, that you personally create you know and you and the, and the spaces that you organize uh, that bring people together to create uh, this kind of work uh, and continue to speak about uh, social justice and all that you are also in an educator right this is true. Um, you are a uh, professor at uh, the Maryland Institute College of Art. And so I, I want to know if like, can you talk to us about like what you teach, but also like what you want to be teaching? Yes, I can. So I didn't mention in my bio also that I am a manager and I manage artists. And um, one of my artists has a performance right now on Zoom and they are waiting for the Zoom link, which I did not send them. So I have to <laughs> We are live, people. That's how we know. I'm sorry, but I have to just present. Like, I just need this to present. Like, and just keep putting me in the in the meeting. They keep thinking that I am my artist and it's sad. I'm not. Um, you are good. You are That's good. okay. Uh, <laughs> this happens like to us. We have technical difficulties. We have dogs dogs we have yeah. people walking behind us it's great it's just, but we, uh, this is the world that we live in our, our, our producer 
Patrick will edit this in post. Uh, 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 pro tip, we don't have a producer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we just we just making it up as we go along, uh, which is fine. No, you do you. The world does not stop spinning just because, uh, you know. You're working everything. No, no, I definitely understand. I don't know why it won't let me just share it. Like it's just doing so much right now. It's like oh, this would be easy. All right, I'm almost done. I just need to push. Um, it's okay. This is giving us. I'm still decompressing from the last poem. I was like, I, I. Yes. How, yes. how do we transition back to conversation? Like, can we just like sit with that for a moment? And I think the universe said yes. Yeah, so, I think, I know. Cause in my mind, I was like, that was like a, you know, that was such a deep poem that, you know, I, I do want to delve into. It's just always so, <laughs> so interesting to talk about like what our, the United States um, considers like different, I guess, items and bodies um to represent um what the united states is supposed to be about right and yeah, yeah the poem that was poem was, was and i think going back to the the idea of legacy like that poem definitely uh, lives in in the footsteps of of a legacy of like someone like patricia smith uh and her skinhead poem and you know just taking these ideas of the persona of like what is the perspective as which we look at the world, right? We don't always need to look at the world as ourselves. Uh, mm -hmm. And if we take a moment to change perspectives, how does that unfold layers mm -hmm. of, of of a narrative, you know? Um, so yeah, that is, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting with that. We're gonna sit with yeah. it for a while. All right, so I am, I guess I am done with it. I don't know. <laughs> Like, I don't get why it won't let me copy and paste and put it in her. Like, what's happening is that I keep trying to copy and paste the Zoom link, and it keeps putting me in the Zoom. Mm. Like, no, I just want to copy and paste the Zoom link. Okay, perfect. Right. They just fixed it. All right, I'm back. <laughs> and we're back. My artist was just calling my phone and, like, I need to be in the Zoom. I'm like, I'm in my own right now. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. All right, all right. Lives. Thank you all for being so flexible and patient. Yeah. No, of course, of course. Right. So remind me of the question. So the question was about teaching, right? You, you're a professor uh, at a college. So I was curious, like, what you teach, but also, like, kind of, like, what do you want to teach? Like, what is the curriculum you want to create? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a good That's a good question. Um, so I'm currently not teaching this semester. Um, but I, I teach gra a graduate program typically. Um, now I teach a lot of, they give me a lot of courses to teach. It's like in the world of literature. And because I'm at an art institution, I teach a lot of creative literature courses, right? So, um, and I teach, at an, I teach at part of an MAT program too. So people get their master's in teaching. So I teach a lot of critical literacies as well um, for people kind of unpack some of their biases before they start working and working with students in, in like in classrooms. Um, and I teach like uh, classes around using literature as a tool for your own creativity. And so whereas like visual artists will kind of use literature as a way to like reshape the way they create you know, visual arts or that kind of stuff. So I teach a lot of, in a, no, a lot of very creative literature courses is the way to say it. And so I love it. I love teaching out of the box. I don't, it's not really approachable. One of my favorite classes, I'm convinced it's just a book club and I love it. It's just a, <laughs> Um, and, and so, like, so I, I teach a lot of interesting literature courses, but 
Um, what I want to teach, what I have, which, which I have proposed, or I have yet to get it accepted, is a performance poetry course. Mm. Um, and I was actually almost contracted to establish an MFA program at a, at a different college or the university um, for performance poetry. Mm. And I was really excited about to develop this MFA program, but that never actually panned out. But um, so in the ideal world, I, I'm obsessed with performance poetry and I deep dive in performance poetry. I think it's, it's a thing that I know more of both as a theory and as a practice than anything else. Um, and so I definitely want to develop collegiate programs around performance poetry, um, which is why I'm writing a textbook currently on um, performance mm -hmm. poetry. And so, so that the way it could help really um, um, inform what that work looks like on both, you know, post-secondary as, as well as, you know, secondary. Okay. Okay. That's amazing though. I feel like the range, right, of just your profession and what you've been doing with poetry and teaching and organizing is phenomenal. It's a bunch of past lives. Like even uh, the college professor thing is probably about to be a past life. Like I'm not in a, I'm not in a hurry to rush back into it. Yeah. Well, there's there's uh, there's there's a lot of bullshit right now in the teaching world. So uh, I yes. uh, I am mad at you. Uh, yeah. At but yeah. I love I love that idea of like the the textbook on you know like spoken mm -hmm. word, and I think that just like more and more we're we're finding ways to give legitimacy to this thing mm -hmm. that we call spoken word that is often uh, overlooked in academia, and it's like no, but this is a real thing uh, because it's making real impact in the world. You yes. know. It really is. And I also feel like because it's always so interesting how academia and the elitism are like, no, but spoken word is not, I guess, valid. And it's just like, well, for people of color, you know, we we were coming from these like oral traditions. Right. So, again, it's just another way to say that we're not valid. And it's spoken word is our form of resistance and being subversive in this academia world. So, yeah, I mean, so one thing that I we talk. So I'm writing this book. Um, with two colleagues, Lady Brian and Slankson Hughes, who are teammates of mine as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're writing this book together. And one of the things that we talk about in the book, the book is kind of like a workbook slash textbook slash like narrative, right? And so one of the things that we start off with is like really unpacking the way in which we teach poetry mm -hmm. and the way that our biases um, really discourage people from fully um, sharing this experience with us, right? And so what I say that is, what I've noticed in the world of academia, there are some poetic devices that are more preferred than others based off the institution, how they institutionalize poetry, right? And so for instance, in a world where imagery is everything, right? It's like, you know, this is what makes good poetry, right? It's the imagery. And then they don't necessarily care too much about, you know, rhythm and rhyme as much as mm -hmm. other devices, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we realize is that the way when you, when you ask people to like organically just tell stories or write poems, they kind of have their own approach to that, right? And so what we've been, been able to do, and what Sykes and Hughes was able to do is kind of create a framework for that organic way in which people tell stories. And so we were able to like create this framework, which called the elements of spoken word. And they were able to say that people 
organically are in one of these places, right? They start from these places. And so instead of being like, this is what a good poem is, and this is better than others, it's like, no, all these all these ways in which people tell stories are equal, right? Um, and what you need to do is find out from your students is like, how do they like to tell stories? And then help them be the best, do that to the best of their ability versus mm-hmm. trying to be an Emily Dickinson or a Robert Frost. It's like, how do you be the best you at storytelling? Um, so that's the framework in which our textbook like how do you assess the, the natural gifts from the, the poet or the, or the student and then give them the tools to do that better i absolutely love that please sign me up uh for a copy <laughs> yes. when that comes out uh and then you mentioned slangston right now and i just i'm going back in my memory and i just realized we've had you on here lady breon mechamorphosis and black chakra i feel like the baltimore team is like pokemon like we got to catch them all yeah uh, so <laughs> we definitely got to get slangston on here next season um but on on the subject of you know like giving validity uh, to it and and creating space uh, for it and my smart speaker is talking extensively right now. Sorry, um, you know like you we have arrived yes. at the Stonewall International Poetry Festival. You know, yes. like uh, creating something that that gives validity, gives legitimacy. Uh, and 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 create space and celebrates. Uh, this is a week-long poetry festival uh, specifically for the LGBTQIA plus community um, that is the first of its kind and hopefully not the last, you know, doing this uh, again for many years. I'm, I just want to know one, like, where did this idea come from? How, you know, how did this originate and the planning that led up to it? And then what can we expect this week? Because I'm karaoke happening first of all, uh, but <laughs> you know what's what's going down. What do you, what are your hopes for this week? I think is is ah. Uh, so the first thing I have to say is that I have to recognize that this that this festival, the Stonewall International Poetry Slam, is not the first of its kind. Right? Yeah. There have been gatherings of non cis hat artists and poets to share work. Um, on local levels and national levels prior to this one, right? Um, what I think makes this different and, and new is that there are, not all slams are created equal. We know that, right? There are some that are just a higher, larger platform than others. And I, so this is the first time I think we've lifted a non-cishat um, poetry slam or festival to the top tier of, of slam world. Right. And so um, meaning that when I was looking to create SIPs, I had to say, well, what are what are the other organizations or other slams that would be equivalent to this one? Right. So I looked at the IWIPs and the Texas Grand Slams and the WALPs, right? And the NPSs. And I was like, well, what does it take to pull that off? And this needs to be equivalent to, to the top tier slams in the world. Um, and just an example of that was like, I reached out to the organizers and I was like, hey, what does a budget look like for mm-hmm. these festivals? Like, what does it take to make this happen? Um, and so I was given numbers and I was ex- I'm excited to say that for SIPs, um, I think the highest number I was given for one of the local slams was like $20,000 to put a slam on. Wow. And, and we raised 80000 for SIPs, right? Wow. And so it was one of those things where it's like, no, this community deserves top tier, like deserves mm-hmm. to be at a place of a platform that's really going to um, 
celebrate them the way they deserve to be celebrated. And so I think there's lots of, there's not to dismiss the other work from any other festivals or organizers or poets who took time to celebrate, you know, queer poets or trans poets, or it's not that at all. It's just that <clears throat> I, I would attend other festivals that just were bigger platforms while those amazing platforms still didn't do the work of celebrating poets like myself. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, we deserve the best, and we deserve those same those same platforms. And so that's what this is what's new about SIPS is that um, I don't think I've seen a platform this big for poets like like us, right? So that is the that is that's the work. And so what I'm most excited about is is um it's a combination. It's a combination of things. It's, it's a combination between and then I'm gonna say some petty suits. Three things. Three things. I have three things. People having a great time. I just want people to be laughing and smiling and crying if that's how they share, share their joy. But I want people to, I want joy in the space, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, no, that's the, that's one thing. I want joy. The next thing is I want, I want community building, right? I want people who don't know each other connecting and, and growing and a lot of organic things coming out of it. I just want to see the world coming together again um, and and watching amazing creatives just be amazing creatives. Um, but the last thing is I want rigorous competition. Mm. I want to see your best. I want to see poetry um, unmatched. I want the final stage to be one of the best final stages that the slam world has ever seen. That's mm-hmm. what I want. So I want I want the girls to bring it. <laughs> well, I've I've seen the bout list. It's it's a stacked stacked bout. How many poets? Uh, ultimately, it was something like forty. Yeah, so forty poets are competing, um, and then um, and then of course we have amazing side events. So there are about sixty five poets all together, mm-hmm. twenty competing, and then the other twenty five are featuring and doing workshops and all the other kind of stuff. I love it. I'll be there. <laughs> no, I was like, you be there? I wish I could go, like I couldn't, but I, w- I know Tibby's been like talking about it and just bragging and really just hyping this festival up for, I don't know, like for what, two, two three months now, Tibby? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been coming together. I, I mean, if, from when y'all first announced it, I know the the organizing part of it has probably been much not longer. much longer. Sadly, no, 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 no. Oh, not, not much longer. It was, like, it was thirty days before from from conception to announcement. Damn. Wow. All right. Well, props to you and your organizations uh, for putting this all together. I cannot wait to experience this week. I am so excited in anticipate. I am shivering with anticipation. Okay. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the best poetry, bringing the best poetry, yeah. uh, this has been a phenomenal conversation, but can you close us out with like one final poem, Kenneth? I can. Um, I can do that. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. I, um, if I was to write a poem where... I replace punctuations with people, then black women would be the period, the enough, the embodiment of I said, I said, black fathers would be the question mark, 
but less of the where is he's and more of the why is he missing in the first place. Trans women would be the space, the pause, the thing in between two other things, a moment the world stops to take a breath literally. And this would be the point when people would debate if space is a real punctuation. Well, in this poem, the answer is fuck yes. Black men would be the hashtag. That part would not change. That part would be the same as every poem that came before it. My grandmother would be the parentheses. The thing that wraps his arms around the things that don't always feel like they are necessary. White men would be the colon. The thing that comes before every list of tragedies, white women would be the comma, as in common, as in overused, as in inserts itself between two things that were doing perfectly fine before it got there. And I would be magically missing from the poem. See, I realize that sometimes I use poetry as a disguise. I go in knowing it's the best place to hide because no one searches the gender non-conforming person inside the big black guy I've learned that placing my scars behind my bars ain't healing. No medicine or gauze is just oohs and ahs. I call it the art of the ahs, meaning if I lay enough golden bricks, I'm certain no one will notice a person hurting behind the curtain. I write windows because I'm afraid of mirrors despise my reflection. So I often stand on stage and spit deflections. I talk about how the world is on fire, but don't mention where I hid the matches. I've mastered the art of distraction. I yell, fuck Donald Trump, but don't discuss all of the men I fucked just like Donald Trump. I call out your privilege while expecting the world to remain blind to mine. I find my lines are more device than divine. I talk about toxic institutions, but never my contributions, no solutions. There's alluding to more illusions. It's all an illusion. The truth is every poet is a magician. And every poetry performance is in fact a magic act. What I meant to say was, if I was to write a poem where I replace punctuations with people, then the audience would be in poem. What a way to end. I love this journey, this poetry journey that you had. <laughs> you ended. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. That was, whew, that was amazing. That's what, this whole conversation has been amazing. It's been great to like get to know you even more, um, sharing your your uh, your work um, along with like your activism as well as your organization um, and organizing. So again, I'm sadly cannot join you, but I know Chibi is gonna just if you allow him to <laughs> hug you, <laughs> and laugh with you, um, and this joyous experience again. Um, so thank you, and. Yeah. We're going to have a virtual component too. So for people who can't come and be with us physically, there will be at least one one component where we will absolutely, um, you can just you know, reach out to me if you want more information or reach out to Chippy. So Chippy is going to be leading that component. Um, so we will be able to make sure that people are able to participate and um, join us virtually as well. Perfect. Yeah. 
So thank you. Thank you again. I'm excited. Um, good luck. I not even that you need luck, like have a great time, like really bask in the, your work and the joy that everyone's going to bring. Cause they're going to bring their A game, like you said, uh, for this festival. And, um, yeah, to close out, can you just tell the people where they can find you and your work? on the social medias or on the website or internet? Yes. So I'm kind of something. Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is my preferred way because I'm trying to boost it up. I didn't care about it for many years. Now I'm finally starting to care about it for the past six months. So follow me there. Um, just kind of something. You follow me. Send me a DM. I will respond. I will follow you back. Um, and we can definitely build from there. So just kind of something um, is the best way to connect with me. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Thank you. One more time, everybody in the comments section for Kenneth something again. What a phenomenal conversation and great getting to know you. And I will see you this week all over Baltimore. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. Oh, man. Yeah. And this is why I love this show. Like, this is why we created the show. You know, mm -hmm. the idea that like, we know poets works, but do we know the poet? Uh, and I feel like we really, really got to know Kenneth so much more, uh, which makes the work so much more impactful uh, and just kind of like really connecting poets with communities across this country. And I can't wait to be in community with uh, all these poets that are coming into Baltimore for this. So, yes! Mm, I know. Oh. So jelly, I'm so jelly. I'm like, ugh, work. Oh, but yeah. I'm, so I'm so glad you'll be there i know i'll be there in spirit um fantastic if this like for anyone you know everyone that's watching um this is just a just a taste right of what is to come if you're gonna go to sips um you know you're gonna be surrounded by phenomenal poetry and of even more amazing um poets um what they do for the work in the community and and we're gonna be hosting a little segment there yeah yeah well. yeah all right well i know there's a karaoke night that i need to get to so let's 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 say some things and and bounce <laughs> All right. So thank you to the audience for y'all to chime in every single week. We love you. We see you. Thank you. We couldn't do the show without you. So thank you for your comments. Thank you for the love. Thank you for shouting out to our for Kenneth, to our poets all the time. Mwah. We love you. And make sure uh, to stay connected, stay informed of all the things that we are doing. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, our, our handle is at words and shh. And you can watch any past episodes on our YouTube um, page or anywhere on YouTube, um, as well as anywhere you find your podcast. You can watch or listen to this episode or previous episodes. So check us out. Yep. And uh, next week, I'm so excited for this. So our, our guest next week, we are actually uh, hosting an event at the Stonewall International Poetry Slam. Uh, we are going to be filming live at the at the event and featuring a friend of the show. She's been on here before back in season one, but we are bringing her back because so much has happened in the past year. Icon will be on the show next week. Super excited for that. Um, so we will see you then if you're in baltimore swing on by uh stonewall international poetry slam uh and hopefully we'll see you there uh until then stay safe out there people bendiciones y'all